Good morning. Welcome. So glad to see you this morning. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. And if this is your first time here, I am so glad you've joined us this morning. I want to say hi to everybody joining us online as well. Believe it or not, we have usually around two or 300 people that join us online through the service through the week. So um, that's pretty awesome. But um, so many exciting things happening here at Mission View Church. Uh, the Guatemala missions trip. I went on that trip along with Jesse who led worship this morning. Uh, just amazing things going on. I highly encourage you, just like the guy said already, um, if God's tucking on your heart at all to go in July, sign up today. Uh, it would, it's amazing. It's a great thing. And the families that we're in contact with there, uh, it's, it's so powerful to be a part of that. So other exciting things going on too. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but on Facebook and Instagram, you've, you've probably seen a couple videos with our own Claire Smith um, talking, up, about, Mission View? Yeah, <laughs> talking about Mission View Mondays and what that's all about. So what I wanted to do, it was probably about three months ago, Claire came to me. She says, hey, I've got this idea about bringing the church together and, and just a really neat idea about how we can all um, do things together in unity. And, um, and she shared this Mission View Mondays idea with me. I think it's an awesome thing. So I invited her to share kind of the heart behind it, where it came from. And um, why don't we start out, Claire? Um, what is Mission View Mondays? What is it? Okay. So... It is, well, it kind of started from personal conviction in my own life. A few years ago, the Lord really convicted me about my own prayer life, and I felt like I just needed to take it up a notch on things. And one of those areas was covering my church in prayer. It's one of those things that you hear about doing, and you're like, yeah, I should be praying for my church, right? I should be praying for my pastor, for our elders, for decisions, for the people, but how is this happening? And so me being a person into disciplines, physical disciplines as a trainer and runner and stuff, and in spiritual disciplines, I, I, I like rhythms of things. And so uh, Mondays became the day that I started to pray for Mission View because it ran together so nice, Mission View Mondays. And it was just an easy way for me to remember to, to at least, you know, cover our church in prayer on Mondays. And so that's kind of personally how it happened. And then I guess how it got to this point is the Lord just kept stirring my heart for our church. And you guys know we have been through so much over the past couple of years. And so I, I just see the needs in our church. I'm blessed to have many really close relationships with people here. Um, also, you know, just talking from other Christians in this community. Um, there's a lot going on um, within the pews of our church. And I just felt convicted, like this needs to be something that we should all be rallying around in so many words. And so I'm just a girl that likes to make a plan and motivate people and get it done. So I came to Matt with the idea and he's like, all right, let's go for it. Yeah, it was awesome. I love it, I love it when people come to my office and they say, hey, I've got this idea for ministry. You know, that is like the best kind of meeting. And um, so it's really exciting to hear that from Claire. The other piece of this, too, is that God's given Claire um, a lot of favor. And she's, she's kind of a, what are, I don't even know what they call them anymore, like trendsetters or whatever. But she has like 50,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, it's a platform that God's opened up for her to reach out to people, to share the gospel, and to make an impact in people's lives, which is really powerful. So... Her coming alongside and saying, hey, why don't, we, why don't we utilize social media for the kingdom? I was like, yeah, let's make this happen. So, so why are we doing this, Claire? Why, why Mission View Mondays? 
Well, I think we, number one, just need to be praying for our church. You know, I think that there are so many needs that we have, and we need to be asking the Lord for those. Now, we don't know how he's going to answer those prayer requests, but if he says no, it's not going to be because we didn't ask him for it. So we are going to be a church on our knees. That's how we stand. Ephesians 6, we saw the spiritual battle, so we have that. Um, and I think that unification of the church, I think it's really important for us to be able to stand together. Uh, one of the awesome things I hear about Mission View consistently is just this family feel that we have. And I think that we want to pray for our family, for the people beside of us. So I think it's going to help us, you know, unify the body. And then third is spiritual formation and discipleship. It's really powerful for us to be developing our walks with the Lord. And so we sometimes just need a tool. And that's simply what this is. It's just a tool. You don't have to use this. Um, but it should be something that would be helpful. Like Mondays, I can remember Mondays, Mission View. Okay, they send me an email. They have some prayer prompts on there. We can do this. And that's going to help you know, just increase your intimacy with the Lord as well. All right, so how's it going to work? How, what, what do we do from here? How can we all participate in this? Great question. I almost wrote it <laughs> we down. We didn't even practice this. No. <laughs> um, okay, so basically on Monday mornings, you'll be receiving an email for those non-social media people like my husband. Um, and then the rest of you who love the social media world, on Facebook and Instagram, you'll see an image pop up. And we will have prayer things on there for you. And you'll, you'll get a rhythm. You'll get to see the type of things that we're praying for. But you'll just basically check your email, check social media, and you'll see um, those different things. And then you can just pray throughout the day. We don't have any, you know, we'll probably maybe give you some tips along the way. But, you know, start a prayer log for Mission View Monday. Start to see what that looks like. Um, look at your community, you know, talk to your community groups. Share the prayer requests there on your community group night. Pray for the the topic that we have listed there. Um, so yeah, it's just basically, you're just going to open up something there on Mondays, see it, and then pray for it. So Matt, I have a question. What happens if we don't pray on Mondays? Is that, is there something special about Monday? What if we miss Monday? What magical if we just have a bad Monday, day? This yeah. magical, you can pray any day. Okay, good. All, we should be praying all seven days. So we just, we, you know, we look at this Mission View Mondays idea as a time for us to come together as a church. Uh, utilizing social media to draw us together, that that Mission View Church would be praying on the same topics, the same. To There's an idea behind that unity that we're really, really excited about, and the opportunities that we have with social media nowadays, it's, it gives us kind of a unique opportunity that, you know, in the past it was a little bit more difficult for us to put together. So. Um, I'm extremely excited. It, it doesn't have to be on Mondays, but we're really excited about um, the opportunity to be unified together in prayer. So, Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. <laughs> Put the mic down, Claire. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, once you start praying, you've got skin in the game. Prayer gives you skin in the game on things. So I'm giving you a warning, kind of. Like, if you decide, like, yeah, I'm going to start to up the ante on my prayer life. I'm going to start to pray for the people at Mission View Church. Watch out because you, you got to get your game face on. You're going to maybe encounter a little bit more spiritual warfare, some battle. I mean, we're going to have it anyways. But, but you've got skin in the game for your brothers and sisters in here. So when you start to walk in here, and the prayer prompt the week was for your prodigal children. And, and we're not going to necessarily, we're not going to give specific family names, but the Lord is going to start, the Holy Spirit will orchestrate conversations in hallways. And he's going to put people on your heart. You're going to start to see someone and be like, I want to say something to them. And then watch, it's about that specific thing. 
So you're going to start kind of get like invested in the church. So if you don't want to get invested in the church, I suggest don't pray. But I don't want you to do that. <laughs> so just I, I, I say that with a bit of a caution, but it's the reality. It's what we see in the word, but I think it's really powerful. Awesome. Thanks, Claire. Thank you. All right. Well, we started a new sermon series last week called The, the Treasure Principle. And um, there's a book by Randy Alcorn called The Treasure Principle. And we're going to be going through that in the community groups. Um, but I wanted to kind of give you an idea of where, where, I'm, where I'm coming from with the sermon topics. There's a workbook that goes along with the book that you're going through, which you don't have. And what I wanted to do, I didn't want to just regurgitate the chapters and things that you're going through. I wanted to give you additional resources. And um, so we're kind of, I'm, I'm kind of pulling out of uh, the book a little bit, going to God's word, and then we're going to be looking at scriptures that, that kind of go along with the things that you're going through. So if you're trying to like think about where I'm at, where I'm going, it's probably not going to be directly in the chapter that you're reading. It's going to be an added resource to the chapters that you're reading, um, just to bring you some clarity on that. If you have your Bibles today, go ahead and open up to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3, verses 12 through 21. That's where we're going to be spending a majority of our time together. Man, I'm, I love this text. I love, I love the whole book of Philippians. It's really good stuff. Um, just for some uh, context, um, Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's, he's addressing um, some false teachers. The Gnostics were there. He's kind of addressing those things. So uh, right where we're picking up here in chapter 3, Paul's bringing some clarity to the church there and warning against some of these false teachings that are going on, just to give us a little bit of context. Now, there's three things that Paul points out about these false teachers that um, Randy Alcorn talks about in the book, that they, they are kind of of, um, hindrances to generosity, uh, and so we're going to pull that out of it. But, but I don't, I don't like to, you know, go to God's word and kind of read into it. I like to go to God's word and let it read into me. And, and so we're just going to, we're going to look at this text, see what it says, and how it applies to our lives today, um, and we'll go from there. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, three of us are on. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, good. Let's read God's word. Let's start here in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory, and their shame, with minds set on earthly things. You might want to underline verse 19 there. We're going to spend some time there today. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things 
to himself. All right, that's God's word for us today. The first thing I want to pull out of this, and as you came in, you should have received a little program, and there's some fill-ins, some blank fill-ins you can follow along with. The first fill-in in your notes today is this. Look up to those who bring themselves low. Look up to those who bring themselves low. As I was studying through this text, I found something really interesting. And um, I wanted it to bring it, bring it to your attention today. And there's, there's like a parallel thing happening as Paul shares one thing and then talks through a few verses. And then he kind of reiterates or explains the thing he shared earlier. And the first one we find is in verse 12 and in verse 17. Now check this out. This is kind of cool. It says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. What is he saying here? He's saying, man, I'm just like you. I mean, I struggle with things. I work through things. I work through temptation. I'm, I am a human being. This is real life. There's real struggles. There's real things. I haven't obtained this. I'm not perfect, man. And, and this, is, this is a hard work that, that God is sanctifying us. He's changing us. I'm, I'm, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. Now look, but what does he say in 17? Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. What's he saying? I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. You see a humility in Paul. A recognition that, that God is still at work in him. And that, that we are all a work in God's hands. He is changing us and growing. In as much as I follow Christ. In as much as, as those who you see are living out the Christian life. And, and God's grace is on them. Sanctifying them and changing them for his glory and for their good. As much as you see that, do that. Go after that. Look to them in that. And praise God for them and for the work that God is doing through his Holy Spirit. I love it. I love how Paul, you know, points out where he really is. The struggle in life, to, that, that pressing on towards holiness that, that God calls us to. And then he says, do you have someone? Do you have someone in your life that you look up to? He says, look to, look to Im imitating me or, or those who are walking with Christ. Who is it in your life that you look up to, that you see an amazing work of God in their lives? Maybe it's a, a coworker who comes to work and, man, the guy just can't stop sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Or the way that, that she responds to the boss that's, that's mean and harsh. How, how do they respond in such kindness and, and, and share a, a joy even in those kinds of struggles? Do you have someone that's holding you accountable? Someone, someone that you can look up to? Someone that you can trust? Someone you can share maybe some hard things that you're going through with? Those, those are the kinds of relationships that as we read through Scripture, we see that it's an expectation that we would be a people doing life together. Janelle and I, my wife and I, we had a, a great opportunity to visit one of the community groups this past week. And, and last year, we, we tried to make our way through all the community groups. And let me just tell you, it's, it is always, it is always just a blessing 
to, to sit down together, have a meal with people, hear about what's going on in their lives and, and see the kids playing and doing different things and then to open God's word together and then ask for prayer requests and say, hey, how's, how's your life? You know, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? And, and uh, um, one of the guys in the community group's getting ready to leave for three weeks and we prayed for him and his family. I mean, just all these really cool things that, that, that come up that if we weren't doing life together, if we didn't have these kinds of relationships that Paul's talking about, we would be totally missing out on what God really had set up for us in our Christianity. Here's something really important. There is no such thing as a lone ranger in Christianity. Anybody ever watched The Lone Ranger? I'm dating myself just a little bit, right? There's some young people out there going, Lone Ranger, what's that? But even The Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? We are meant to be doing life together in relationship. Now, here's, here's three really cool things that doing life together in relationship gives us. Three really neat things. The first one is this. It gives us the opportunity to walk out the gospel. Here's what I mean. It gives us the opportunity to forgive and repent in relationship with people. Because what happens when we're in real relationship with other Christians? We sin against each other. We will, we will eventually say or do something that offends someone. Because we're human. Like Paul said, we're not perfect. We're not Jesus. He's just changing us to be more like Jesus every day. But we haven't arrived yet. So it gives us the actual opportunity to walk out the gospel of Jesus Christ with one another, forgiving and repenting to one another that when I say or do something sinful, I would come to you and say, listen, when, when I said that, that, that was out of line. I shouldn't have said it. I sinned against you in that. Would you please forgive me? And then giving our brother or sister in Christ that opportunity to extend forgiveness just like God in Christ forgave you and me. That's, that's one of the, the coolest things that, that we get out of living life together as Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. We get the opportunity to model the gospel, live out the gospel with one another. Two, the second thing, the opportunity to be challenged by someone else's sanctification, someone else's change. Now, I don't know about you, but there's, there's been a few times in my life where I am, I'm out to dinner with someone or we're just hanging out and, and they'll say something like this. They'll say, you know, I was, I was at home the other day and, and I just was reading through the Bible and, and in my quiet time, I just really felt convicted about watching this TV show. And you know, I just, I was like, the Lord just broke my heart over it. I, I just, man, I shouldn't be watching that TV show. And in the back of your mind, you're going, oh, I, I record that every week. <laughs> Have you ever had that experience? You're like, you're like oh my gosh, I, maybe I need to rethink this. You know, maybe, maybe I should uh, filter this just a little bit. Have you ever been challenged by somebody else's growth, Right? Maybe it's one of your friends you've always hung out with. You, maybe it's one of your workout buddies or whatever. And, and, and you see what God's doing in them and you're just like, golly, why, aren't I, why, can't, you, why can't I go there? Why can't I be like, you know, God, do, can you do a work in me like that? 
It gives us the opportunity to be challenged by, by what God is doing in our brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the coolest things that, that we get to do in our membership class is we, um, we share our testimony. We go around the room and, and everybody shares how they met Jesus. Oh my goodness, it's the best thing about membership class. I, I love it. It is, it is a blast to hear the powerful work of God in people's lives. Uh, let me just tell you, there's, God is amazing. The miracles that he has worked in your lives to bring you to this point is undeniably supernatural. There's a real God at work in our lives. He's at work in your lives. And I can just, I, I, I get the, the benefit of hearing those testimonies all the time. So it's so exciting for me. Now, I had the idea we, we need to record some of these things so that we can share them with you as well. And we are going to do that. All right, the third one, the third one. Conversations that stir us up to love and good works motivated by the gospel. This is, this is a key part. This is one of the, one of the, the key tools that God has really revealed to me in our Christianity and in our walk with the Lord is to keep our conversations Christ-centered. It's really easy for us to meet together, to hang out for breakfast or whatever, or, or, or go and have a game night with friends and talk about the weather, right? It's like freezing outside. It went from like 70 to 30 you know, we can, we can talk about how that's going on or how snow's coming or, or whatever. Or we can talk about what God's doing in our lives right now. Where we're seeing God work in our kids' lives. Where God's challenging us in our parenting. Or how he's challenging us at work. And then we can celebrate those things in conversation. This is really important. I think we have a tendency to leave Christ out of our conversations. Has anybody ever experienced that? And as soon as we kind of acknowledge that and recognize that and be purposeful about bringing Christ into our conversations, what happens is it changes the atmosphere, it changes our conversations, and it changes us. And just like it says in Ephesians, where I'm pulling these, is that it stirs us up. It stir, we stir one another up to love and good works motivated by the working of Christ in our lives. So that's three things. I mean, three powerful, life-changing things we get when we do life together in relationship. It's forgiveness and repentance, living out the gospel, the opportunity to be challenged by someone else's growth and change, and the conversations that stir us up to love and good works motivated by the gospel. Let's move on. The second feeling you notes in this is this. Don't stop pressing on, straining towards what lies ahead, the prize. Did you know that there is a prize? Now think about that for a second. There is a prize. There's a prize for you. Let's look at it. In verse 13, we'll pick it up halfway through. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. You might want to circle straining forward. I press on, underline or circle, press on, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Now, like I said earlier, Paul's kind of doing these parallel things. He talks about it, explains it, or talks about it, and then re reiterates it again. Jump to verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. How do we avoid that? How do we avoid 18? We do verse 13. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We have to have a one-track mind when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Pressing on this, straining for this is work. This is, this is us going after, running after Christ. This is the work, blood, sweat, and tears of relationship. This is where spiritual disciplines meets relationship with the creator of the universe. We, we can't do it for the long haul. We may be able to muster up a day, a week, maybe, maybe even more this self-driven fasting purity or whatever else we are hoping for, but the only lasting change, the only heart change happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's talking, he's pressing on, straining towards. This is one of the mysteries in Scripture that we are to to work towards, strain and press towards the prize of the upward call in Christ. Totally and 110% empowered, inspired, motivated, undergirded by the Holy Spirit. Only He, only He can change us. Only He can change our hearts. The Bible says that the, the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? And then he answers, I the Lord. God knows our hearts. Only God can change our hearts. This idea of, of pressing on and the work of sanctification as we run after Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working within us, where do these things come together? This means that we have to check our motivations. Am I doing the Christian life just to check off the boxes or am I pressing in, straining towards the relationship with Jesus because of the relationship with Jesus? Am I satisfied with what I know in him or do I want or do I need more of him? I wanna challenge you today. God has more for you Maybe you've been to seminary and you've taken theology courses and all these different things. Maybe you've been in church your entire life. God has more for you. There is no way that we can open up this book and study this book and then walk away and say, got it, I'm good to go. Man, I got my little theology boxes and I know this and this and that and I can put it all together and I can explain the gospel to whoever and I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. No, that's not how it works. The amazing riches of the glory of God, the creator of the universe, cannot be fully searched out until he comes again. We are to spend our lives looking at this, this God that created everything that we see, that sent his only son and put on flesh, became man for you and me, and then died on the cross for us, 
making a way for us to be in right relationship with God. We can never search out those things so much that we wrap our minds around it and we're good. That's not how God works. If we could wrap our minds around God and bring all the mysteries and unfold all of those things and wrap it up in a nice little box and put a bow on it, what kind of God would that be? That's no God at all. This God that we serve, the God of the Bible, is a God that we search for and long after and pursue and press toward the rest of our lives for his glory and for our good. And he's a God who wants to be in relationship with you and me. It's not some deity distant in the sky who's separated from our suffering and separated from our struggles and the temptations of life. It's a God who is in those things with us. That's why God became man and put on flesh and was tempted, but was without sin. He's a God that knows life is hard, that marriage is difficult, that our culture is pressing in against us. And raising kids in a culture today would be so difficult. He's not separate from us. He is right there with you right now, and he loves you. And all of this idea of sanctification and change and, and you know, all of those things has to be motivated by The starting point for our sanctification has to be in awe of our Creator. As we look at the beautiful mountains in Guatemala, we see the very hands of God. You watch the you know, PBS and their specials on earth, and you see these beautiful pictures of landscapes and oceans and galaxies and all these different things, there was a creator. And he did all those, those things. And he spoke them into existence. And then you look at the human body. The anatomy of the human body. He didn't speak it into existence. He formed it with his hands. You were formed by a creator. Our sanctification, our growth, our worship, our giving, our service, all has to be stemmed out of, grown out of a relationship, a real relationship with the Creator God. That's what all of this is pointing to. All of this. Now, I'm not just talking about our sermon series today. All of this, from, from Genesis to Revelation, from creation to second coming, to relate from Genesis to eternity, is pointing towards the Creator's relationship with the creation. God's relationship with you and me. So never, never get to a point in your life, in your Christianity, that... Okay, I've got God in this little box. I'm good to go. I'm right there. I'm, I'm all right. No, there is so much more for you. God has so much more for you. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've wondered what life is for. Maybe you've wondered why you're even on this planet. 
Is it to go to work, live the nine to five? Is it to have a spouse and raise kids? Is that the purpose of life? Is, is that where we find fulfillment? Maybe it's to leave a legacy. Maybe that's the purpose of life. Good deeds, social justice, the Red Cross. Maybe if you go and do as many good deeds as you can and leave your mark on this earth, a legacy, maybe that's the purpose of life. God changes all of those things. And as we look at life, we have this tendency to see this circle and and, and, and out the outside of the circle, we have our church and we have our good deeds with the Red Cross and we have our family and we have our job and we have our, you know, giving to good things and, and we have the good works that we've done and it all revolves around our circle. What God does and what God did in Christ for you and me is what he did is he, he, he shows us how we should really see the world. He, he takes us out of the center of the circle and he puts himself there. And we get to become a part of his story. And we find the real meaning of life. And it's relationship with the one who created it all. Man, it changes everything. Changes how I see myself. Changes where I find my value. My value is not in what I do or what I don't do. My value is in the creator of all things saying I'm valuable. My value's in the creator of all things becoming a man and dying for me and saying, you're priceless because I made you priceless. I don't feel, I don't go around patting myself on the back thinking I'm a great person because I served with such and such organization. I go around and served in Christ's name that he would be glorified. It changes everything in relationship with Jesus. We need to remember that God has an eternal plan. And the third point you can write in your notes is this, God will do it and he has done it. Two things, God will do it and he has done it. Let's look at verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What have we attained? Look at verse 20. Our citizenship, we've attained citizenship, is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, this lowly body, right? Thank God it'll be transformed to be like his glorious body. By the power, now get this, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Okay, Paul's like tooting God's horn here. He's like saying, listen, he is all powerful. He, what does he subject unto himself? All things. Not some things, not these things and those things. All things. He's saying God is all powerful. There is nothing, there is nothing in this life and in this world that is outside of his hand of control that he, if he wanted to, in a moment, he could just turn it all around. This, is, this isn't some powerless, toothless God standing along the sides. This is a God that has a plan an eternal plan. And all of these things that we see and don't understand and all of these struggles that we go through 
sin and the, the suffering in this life and the, the pain and the agony that we walk through, we have to know this, that God has a plan. That he's not just off and that he's just not off watching this. And, oh, well, where are the, where are the dice fall? You know. No. When it, the Bible says God, deity, it means God. All-powerful, all-knowing, sovereign. He's over all of it, and he has a plan. What a great realization. In our not knowing, in our questioning, in our struggles, we can know that in the end, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, from that citizenship in heaven, we await a Savior. Now, this is huge. From it. He's not talking, he's not saying this is, there's a future glory, but it's from that future glory we are awaiting a Savior, the Lord Christ Jesus, who will transform our bodies. Wait, 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 he's saying our citizenship is in heaven and from that citizenship we await the fullness of that citizenship coming to be in Christ Jesus when he comes again for you and me. And it's by his ultimate power that he will make these things happen. We need a paradigm shift. We need to see life for what it truly is. It's like the matrix. There's a red pill and there's a blue pill. One of them will leave you the way you are, and the other will open your eyes to see a reality that is tangible and eternal. How do we live our lives with the understanding that we have attained that which Christ has come to give? All right, you guys staying with me here? This is like totally sci-fi, right? We have citizenship in heaven. It says, even now, we are seated at the right hand of God the Father with the Son. Right now. You are not in Hoover High School. Wait, you are in Hoover High School. But God has accomplished. Okay, here's, here's what this looks like. We get so caught up in the battle. We're living life. We're working through life, and temptation comes, and man, we just, <laughs> we hit our nose on the floor. We just fail miserably. And we think the war's lost. No. No, that's just the battle. The war has already been won. We get caught up and we say, no, no, man, I've just blown it. It's over. No. Jesus on the cross has done it all. It is what did Jesus say on the cross? He said, it is finished. And let me tell you this, Christian, it is finished for you. There is nothing you can do right now. There's nothing you can do tomorrow or the next year that will make God love you more than he loves you right now. Why? Because it's already accomplished. That's the good news. Man, we live this life trying to earn it. And we win a battle. We win two battles. We win three battles. And we're walking down the street. Ooh, I'm great. No. The war's already been won. All of the battles we win, glory to God, and we run to him and worship. All the battles we lose, God, forgive me, and we run to him and worship. All of it, all of it is glorifying God and what he has done and finished and accomplished. And it's how we beat sin is that we see sin has already been beaten. 
How do you turn from temptation? Because you've already turned from temptation. God's done that work in your life, and he will do that work in your life. My citizenship is heavenly. I have a passport, but I'm really just passing through to a final destination. God wants to take the things we value and rearrange them. He takes selfish, self-centered sinners and makes them selfless, Christ-centered servants. And that's what God is doing in you and me. And that's what he's accomplished in you and me. By the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Praise be to God. The work that he's done and is doing in you and me. All right, one question I want to leave us with is this. What or who has your heart? What or who has your heart? We talked about it last week, and this, this sermon really is a continuation from last week as we talk about the things that we treasure and how we can direct our hearts by where we put our treasure. Man, what has our heart? Because the, the victories that you want to see in your life and the victories that I want to see in my life can only be found when I am treasuring Christ above all things. When I'm looking to him, to fulfill me and, and, and give me that ultimate joy and satisfaction. What do we need to give over to the Lord? And remember that cool thing we learned last week, that we can actually direct our hearts. We can train our hearts on things by where we put our time, talents, and treasures. What a cool tool that God has given us for his glory and for our good. So who or what has your heart? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray for everyone here, God, that you would, you would draw them deeper into you. God, we want to know you more. We don't want to be satisfied with what we have, and we want to know more. Lord, we need to know you more. So, Father, I would just pray that you would do a work that only you can do through the power of your Holy Spirit in the hearts of your people here in Mission View. God, that you would, by the power of your Spirit, allow us to live out lives that glorify you. Have your way, in Jesus' name.